Hi everyone, my name's Steve Tudor and welcome to the Friday Show. It's a show that really wants that winger from Napoli to join City this summer, just as soon as we've learned how to pronounce his frickin' name. <laughs> On today's part, we're looking back at a very respectable draw in Leipzig that had a second 45 at Concerned and a seemingly straightforward trip to Bournemouth that is regrettably anything but. We'll also be dissecting the Erling Haaland issue, the one that unfortunately isn't going away anytime soon. To discuss all this and more, I'm joined today by a mega cast of A-listers that includes a debutant in the form of Laura Duncan. Hi Laura, are you there? I am indeed, I am indeed. Welcome aboard. No, I'm glad to be a part of it. Well, we're very glad to have you. And um, also join us today, Jordan Elgar. It's been a while since me and you did a pod, mate. It's been ages, Steve. Well, they've been keeping us apart, I think. I think they have. I, I think yeah. we're too good together and they view us as some kind of threat. Maybe it's... I yeah, don't that know. must be it. Yeah, take it up with the big boss. <laughs> yes. And speaking of greatness, we have Howard Hocking. <laughs> How are you, Howard? Uh, good evening. I'm all right, thanks. Yourself? I'm very well. Have you finished eating yet? Uh, no, but I promise not to eat during the show. So yeah. I've had to march home. So we're doing this Thursday night, uh, for those that don't know, because I don't know it's going out. So, so United marched, are playing. I've marched two miles home in about 20 minutes to do this. That's sacrifice I've made. Dedication, yeah, yeah. And so, yeah, it's what you need. What? To- <laughs> 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 Only me and you will get that of a yeah. certain age. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, United are playing, is it now? Is it quarter to eight? Eight uh, o'clock? 15 minutes away. 15 minutes. So we'll I've, got, I've got it on the iPad, so I've keep an eye on it. Good, yeah, good. yeah, don't worry. Uh, excuse me, we want you... Concentrating, please. Oh, of course, of course, of course. Yeah, definitely. No, no uh, distractions. I don't, <laughs> I don't want to ambush your show, Steve. But do you want them to go through? United, God no. I know it. it, it might, you know why I'm asking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. F- fix your schedule and all the rest. Yeah, of it, yeah, yeah. No, no. God, if they beat Barcelona, they'll be well full of themselves. No, I want to get absolutely battered ten nil, um, <laughs> as I'm sure everyone does here. Right. So the first question should go to the debutant, um, Laura. A nice. Fun one to answer. Did you did you enjoy the Liverpool game this week? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. As soon as they went two and off, I had a feeling that Madrid were going to come back and absolutely hammer them. Really, God. Yeah, just just because of what happened to us last year. Not that they came back and hammered us, but they'll come back into anything. They did it loads last year. So I was watching Nunes celebrate, and I was like, Nah, (laughs) you're celebrating a bit early. (laughs) I was the opposite. As soon as it's two nil, I was like, I have absolutely no interest in this game. And then suddenly you lot on WhatsApp were just going crazy. I was like, what am I missing no, out on? I had a feeling, I had a feeling and I was right. So I was, oh, I was over the moon. Well, what it did bring home to, actually, I should, in, in all candidness, I should say what did bring home to Howard, because Howard wrote the agenda this week. <laughs> <laughs> Another what, sacrifice. Yeah. Yes. What it, what it did bring home to the two of us, let's say, um, Jordan, is that there's certain teams, Liverpool, um, Chelsea, Bayern lost at the weekend. Um, Real Madrid, actually, okay, they were brilliant in the week, but they're miles behind Barcelona. There's some big, big teams like PSG. You could even say City have been kind of hit and miss at times this season. They're not at their absolute best this season. Is that just a coincidence? Or, I mean, it can't be a link to all that, can it? Um, it's a tough one to say, really. I think, you know, there has been an anomaly this season in the sense that we've had a World Cup planted in the middle of it. Yes, and yeah. you can't underestimate the effects that that can have on a team's schedule and how they train. I know City tend to go on their best run of the season over the past few years around November, December time, and they don't necessarily train at the hardest so that they're at the peak in, in the full 
in the most busy part of the season and that's sort of been done away with because of the World Cup. So there might be a link there. Um, I don't really know how to explain everyone's poor form, but I'd say with Liverpool and Real Madrid, I wouldn't use you know, getting battered by Real Madrid as a barometer because they are just something special when it comes to the Champions League. As, mm. as Laura said, we went 2-0 up against them very quickly at the Etihad and then Benzema scored and all of a sudden the tie just felt a bit different. Um, so I wasn't writing them off very early. But yeah, a lot of teams struggling and every time Chelsea have a game, I'm reminded firmly of that because they always seem to go 1-0 down. <laughs> Honestly, they could be playing hashtag United and I'd bet on Toby from Love Island getting the first goal. <laughs> Um, so yeah, yeah, it's, uh, I think it's, it's nice to, to have that reminder pretty consistently throughout this season that things could definitely, definitely be a lot worse for us. Yeah. And yeah, absolutely. And when it comes to City, a lot of it is explained away. And when it comes to Liverpool, I have to say, it hurts me to say so, but a lot of their struggles are explained away, but there are other clubs where it is just confusing. You think, why are you struggling this season you, with the players you've got? Um, but Howard's right. I mean, right across the board, some big clubs struggling this, this year. Let's get on to the Leipzig game. Um, Howard, I'll come to you on this because I know that Premier League action has been grinding us down somewhat of late. <laughs> so with that in mind, were you particularly looking forward to a different competition, a different opposition? Um, it's got a different feel to it, hasn't it, a Champions League mm. game. So were you were you looking forward to that? It wasn't grinding me down last Wednesday night. Or was it Thursday night? I can't remember now. Uh but that Nottingham Forest game, yeah, coming after the Arsenal game, just took the wind out of all yeah. our sails, I think, pretty quickly. And I wasn't even watching the match. So that was what I was following on WhatsApp with you. Lot. And it was just like, and I could see on Twitter, like, you know, closer it got to 80 minutes, everyone knew what was coming in a way. It's like, oh, we've seen this before. And yeah, I said in the, like, the review or the preview for the Leipzig game, I'm worried about the Leipzig game, but I'm also really looking forward to it. Yeah. Because I've got a kind of zen about this season now, and I, because it felt transitional. And then when we beat Arsenal, it was like, well, actually, it's all back on now. <laughs> this could be, you know, we could just go on that surge and do it. And then Forest, they went, nah. And we're going to talk about this, you know, from the Leipzig, the second half especially. I think it's pertinent for that. There's issues that, in a way, I'm kind of at ease with whatever happens. Mm. And I still think we can win stuff, obviously, and I want us to, and I'll be gutted if we don't. But yeah, it was it's nice to just take a break sometimes from the Premier League. And, you know, if it doesn't go well against Bournemouth, then we get Bristol City in the FA Cup as well to do that. So yeah, I was I was I was very worried. It was one of those, you know, when we drew them, it was like, that's not a bad tie. Yes. With every yeah. passing week, it's like, this looks trickier and trickier. Uh because obviously the they only lost last week for the first time about five months, and but I was looking forward to it. I thought it'd be a, an interesting game, and what would be would be. Yeah. Well, um, as you said there, it was always going to be a tricky game. Um, Laura, did the absence of Laporte and Kevin De Bruyne knock any confidence you had? Kind of, um, were you less confident going into it because of, of them not going? Um, I'll always back the eleven that Pep puts out. Obviously, like like we will, but. I think for me, like Laporte is so crucial. I think a lot of people don't understand like his his ball playing ability and the way yeah. he gets the ball out from the back so quickly. 
Um, yeah, so I think obviously missing Laporte and Kevin De Bruyne, I mean, he speaks for himself really. He's been a little bit out of form this season, I'd say, but at the same time, we saw in the match last night, Gundogan and Bernardo were struggling to get the ball to Haaland a little bit. Um, Haaland maybe could have done a little bit more, but I feel like Kevin, I felt there's a couple of balls there that Gundogan and Mahrez actually it was that had the option to play, play him through. Mm. Um, I feel like had that been Kevin, um, Haaland would have been, probably been thrown goal. So yeah, it, it did it did dampen my spirits a little bit. I was a bit gutted we didn't see Phil as well, but it's what it is. I don't think it was a bad result all in all, to be fair. No, and I was really surprised that Phil didn't come on. Um, but many expected him to start as well. I mean, leading up to the game, Jordan, before that kind of hour before kickoff when you see what Pep's done, I started to believe it myself because so many people, I don't know if it's because they really wanted Phil to be playing kind of, you know, in that kind of number 10 role, or if he believed, you know, that that was most likely. But um, I started to think, yeah, he's going to start, Phil, and he's going to be in his, you know, what everyone thinks is his best position. When you saw the lineup, how did you feel, Jordan? I was happy with the lineup. I was really happy with the lineup. I, I love Phil, um, but I just don't think Pep trusts him like that to drop him in, yeah. in a big European away game in a position where he's rarely trusted him. So I, I wasn't expecting him to start in the middle at all. And I don't think you drop Grealish the way he's playing at the moment. I think we all know what Mares can do in the Champions League and he's in his best form of the season probably over the well since the World Cup. And I think the only real questions were whether he was going to play Bernardo at left back. Um again, which you know you you'd think not, but he did do it against Arsenal, so he doesn't have any any issues doing it against um a top quality team, although he did rectify that in the second half at the Emirates. And when I saw it, I was actually quite excited to see the team play. Uh, I, th- I really enjoyed Bernardo in that role. I think it's his best position for us as the sort of right. I know we don't really play with three eights at the moment. We play with sort of a double pivot and Bernardo is on the right of that pivot dropping deep. But I do think that's the position that suits him best. You know, he's not really the winger who you want hugging the touchline, but mm. the, the winger, sorry. Um, but he did sign for us from Monaco playing as a almost a right attacking midfielder, if you like, a right wide midfielder. And I think that's the position where he gets into those positions the most. So I was looking forward to watching Bernardo play there. And I think it was, I think it was the right team selection. I don't, I don't have any issues with, with the team that he chose. What it kind of brought that team selection. Um, and of course, Pep's methodology was domination and ball control and, and just control of the actual narrative of the first half. Um, so how would, how, how happy were you to see that? Because we haven't always seen that this season. I mean, we've been spoiled rotten, haven't we, in, in previous years where we, we see this twice a week. Um, that's kind of tailed off this season, I would say, but it was certainly back in that first half, wasn't it? It was all about control in a very Pep-like manner. Mm. I was happy with that first half. You know, it's easy, well, and that might sound like stating the obvious, but it's still, it's still those little issues, i.e. we dominated, but how much did we actually create? Very little. Mm. But this isn't Nottingham Forest away. This is Leipzig, and they are really good side. This mean, is Manchester really, United. <laughs> Man U. <laughs> RBL. <laughs> and it, no, but they are. They're just a good side. It's like, I didn't come into this game thinking oh we're going to wipe the floor with them and I wouldn't have thought that if it was like pick your peak city side under Pep just pick any one of them I wouldn't have come into this thinking we'd wipe the floor with them they don't 
lose at home very often at yeah. all. They don't lose games very often, and they've got a deep, talented squad. So, and it's two legs. You have to think about it over 180 minutes in a way. And I was really happy with just you know in other games I think like well yeah we're dominating, but not a lot's happening, and I get a bit frustrated in this in an away leg for you know first away like in a knockout stage of the Champions League I was really happy that we just weren't giving them a sniff at our goal because if you keep doing that at some point you will score and more to the point they can't if they haven't got the ball so I thought the goal itself wasn't lucky but I don't know I think there might have been another brilliant little flick from Gundogan there was yeah yeah. but yeah in a way I'm still not sure how it got through to to, maybe it was his brilliance how it got through to Mares. the shot was hit very hard but close to the keeper which probably didn't help him that it was so close to him so we didn't carve out many chances but honestly I don't remember them yeah having a de- be dangerous with it near our box at all so that first half I was very happy with that and I thought you know keep this going and we could you know we could have a very easy uh, home leg if we keep mm. up this domination but of course it didn't turn out that way I was thinking that. I was thinking a two-goal advantage taken off the Etihad. It's not all over, of course, but it looked possible. Um, Obviously, very good team performance in that first half. Um, So it stands to reason there was very good individual displays as well. Um, Laura, who stood out for you? Who who kind of impressed you in, in light blue? Do you know what? I feel like not a lot of like people on social media and from what I've seen have spoke about him from last night, but do you know what? Kyle Walker. Yeah. He was up and down that right wing. I'm, when I talk about him, I'm talking about what he was doing going forward. Um, he was beating players, obviously using his pace. It just it reminded me. I felt like we'd gone back a season or so. Mm. Um, it was good to see him come back into um, some decent form. To be fair, he was putting some decent balls into the box. Unfortunately, obviously, as we know, nobody got onto the end of them. Um, but yeah, I felt Kyle was, was good. Um, I felt like Bernardo was was, was everywhere really. Um, Gundogan as well. Um, was good. Obviously, Maris Maris took his goal really nicely. I thought. Mm. Um, yeah, th- there was a few. Of them. I felt. I felt like everyone. I felt like Edison as well. Maybe that was more second half. His saves and stuff like that. But I felt like everyone in that first half did the bit just just perfect. It was it was perfect going into that half time. I felt. Um, I couldn't have really asked for more. Well, I, I, I love Bernardo. I thought it was just conducting yeah. stuff. He just kept. Turning, was, there's those little circles he does and just laying <laughs> he off. Loves him. Yeah, but he's not a difference maker, is he? Yeah, like Kevin DeBoy, he was he's never going to put a killer pass through. But I just felt he was all over the place, just keep just stopping them getting the ball in that first half. And he really shone out, stood out for me in that first half. Yeah, mm, yeah I, I would say, Steve, that the mm-hmm. the only two players that didn't stand out for me in that first half, um, one through no fault of his own was Harland. Um, mm. because we just couldn't get the ball to him. And uh, the other was Rodri. And again, probably not really his fault, but they just packed that middle area, Leipzig. Um, that There was rarely anything on for Rodri. And I, I think he probably looks like he needs a rest generally, uh, but Pep doesn't trust Kyle Walker. Um, but apart from that, I think everyone played at a really good level. And I, I hear what Laura's saying about Kyle Walker. I, I liked his role in that first half. However, I think it's another example of a square peg in a round hole for us because while he, while he was, I think he used the ball pretty well in terms of his decision making. None of his crosses found a man, and mm. he, you know, how we play, we play with three defenders that defend generally, you know, three centre backs almost, and then 
the fullback, whether it's Rico, whether it was Cancelo or whether it's Walker, um, is an attacking outlet. And I think we need more end products from Walker as an attacking outlet when he plays that role. And I, I do agree with what Laura said. He, he played well. He found good space, some nice dribbles, well-timed sprints in terms of getting to the byline. But he's just never he's never been that player for us that will pick up an assist when we need it. And I think it's, yeah, I just don't think it's, I, I think it's a square peg in a round hole for us. Well, I mean, Wait, square, yeah, square pegging around. Yes, I, get, I always get that. Funny enough, I said the exact same phrase yesterday and I got it wrong. So, yeah. Um, Laura, I mean, I, I kind of agree with both there. Uh, I think Walker really did impress and it, it did feel like a throwback to the Walker of old. But, yeah, his, his crossing is never going to kind of amount to no, much. No, definitely not. Kind I of think with- for me, it was just good to see him just getting up and down, yes. um, taking yeah. players on again. You know, like almost like the energy, the beliefs yeah. backing him, that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, but obviously, the end product from Walker, it's uh, <laughs> it's probably never going to be there. But <laughs> so, with that in mind, I mean, I got to half time, and Howard's put this in in the agenda. I was just wondering if if you felt the same way. Where I was really encouraged by what I seen, but I was also a bit frustrated. I thought we could be too up here. We could have created more chances. D- did you feel the same way? Um, yeah, and more more so like looking back after the game, like when you look at that first half yeah. now. Um, but at half time, yeah, it was that kind of you you're on cloud nine because of how we performed. Again, it's like against Forest. Um, so you're buzzing about that, but then obviously it's like how have we had all that possession mm. and not not scored a second? Because ultimately, if we'd have been two 0 up, that's you. I don't want to you know you're not Herman Dry, but you almost are in that sort of game. Um, you know, you could maybe get Phillips in, um, maybe rest Bernardo or something like that, you know, make some subs and yeah, I don't know. Um, and then kind of just hopefully see the game out, but obviously it wasn't to be. So I was I was frustrated and I was slightly on edge because obviously there was no way um, that Leipzig at home um, with the form and the run that they've been on were going to come out and do the same thing in the second half as they did in the first. So yeah. I feel like we, we maybe could have reacted to that a little bit better. Um, but yeah, I was on edge at half time. I had a feeling there was there was more to come. Yeah, I was expecting a different Leipzig, and and I was actually surprised by how kind of changed they were. Um, did it? I can't remember if they brought any subs. I think they brought one on, didn't they? At half-time? Yeah, they brought on um, Benjamin Hendricks, the That's right it. back yes. for Klosterman. Who played um, well? I, I thought that made it. a massive difference. Actually, yeah. all of a sudden they had an outlet down that right hand side, and well, if if he put his shot on target, I think. Not sure many of us would have had great faith in Edison to to save it at that point in the game. <laughs> no, and they worked that move really well as well, it has to be said, Leipzig. And, and they showed a lot of why they were feared beforehand, uh, or respected, I should maybe say. But Jordan, after about 10, 15 minutes, it became a transparent. The second half was a very different game. Was it just through tactical changes? Um, did City do anything wrong? Was City doing anything different? I think they turned up. I yeah. think the fir- the first half they were woeful. Whether it was because of tactics or poor decision making, they ha- offered absolutely nothing. Um, often just gave us the ball straight back, having won it back. Um, they looked like a mid-table Premier League side at best in that first half. They were really, really poor. And second half they looked like the Leipzig that have now lost one game in twenty one. Um, they've got very good players. They brought on. Hemrix, as we said, who made a big difference. They replaced Forsberg, who I thought was probably the brightest spark in the first half, with a world-class talent in Nkunku, who obviously added a bit of confidence um, 
just around the stadium to see him back after a long injury and in such a big game. And with this City team at the moment, I just don't have faith in us to dig our feet in and defend our goal with our lives. Mm. I just, I think, I think we all get the feeling at the moment that every time there's a sustained period of pressure from the opposition team, that a goal is coming. You could see it on people's Twitter, on my, on my timeline, certainly. The response to that goal when it goes in, and I'm sure we'll come into it in more detail, was that was coming. And I think we didn't help ourselves in the second half as well. I think there were times where we won the ball back and gave it straight back to them. There were sloppy, misplaced passes, um, as has been a feature of our our recent form when when um, yeah we've eventually conceded. It's uh, I, I think we just knew it was coming, and I think credit to Leipzig, but I just don't see that. You know, that Ruben Diaz whacking John Stones on the arse after a block. That's what I want to yeah. see. I want to see that yeah. passion for defending. And I, I don't think we've got that grit. The, the wingers don't press well enough, I think, out of possession. Um, Haaland obviously doesn't offer as much off the ball in terms of defending. Uh, you know, Gundogan and Rodri aren't necessarily the most mobile. And when we're up against it at the moment, that there's just no one who I think he's going to come in and sort that out. Maybe Diaz, actually. We've looked a bit better with Diaz doing it, but... Yeah, I'm glad yeah, he's back I, in the frame. Yeah, I want I want to see that passion in defending again and that real hunger to defend our goal. Well, kind of related to that, uh, it's a big question coming up, Howard, and you should know because you wrote it. <laughs> um, did that this half, this second half, clarify two things that we already kind of know that this squad needs surgery and that Pep knows its limitations, so we kind of play with in a more conservative manner to counteract that? Um, mm. Would you say so? Well, he, he said it afterwards, too. Mm. I mean, he literally said, they're quicker, they're faster than us, uh, so we had to play this way. Mm. Which I well, I'm sorry to interject, but he did pick a, a, a first team where people were saying, where's the pace in that? There is, you know, there's more pace, like Foden, for example. Yeah, but it, I mean, that's not the entire answer, though, is it? Because that slower-than-them team dominated the first half. Yeah. But yeah. then once they stepped it up in the second half, they were swamped again. Remind me a bit of, you know, Atletico Madrid away, which we somehow got through. And, you know, it's going to happen again because it is, it's not the most mobile midfield that we've got. And that's quite damning in a way that, you know, Pep's coming out with something like that. They're just quicker than us. But it also frustrates me that he didn't see, there were options on the bench that could have given some energy and vitality to that side and he didn't want to do it. And I think... I think it's like four years since someone's not made a sub in a Champions League game. I don't yeah, think he trusts them, Howard. If it was 6 the up, then I can... Sorry, what's that, Jordan? I, I don't think he trusts the players on the bench. No, I just, no. Yeah, well, I just... But that's the point, Jordan. It's like, see, I, I tiny disagree. It's like, I expect a response from Leipzig. That first 10 minutes, second half is fine. Because I don't know if I mentioned this, Steve, they were a really good side. So, <laughs> and they've got to have their moment of domination. There's... They're at home. You know, the last time we played it, it was a dead rubber there and it was in an empty stadium you know, when we lost 2-1. That's our only defeat in 17 against German sides in the last 17 games. This is a completely different proposition, this game. I expected to come out all guns blazing. I thought we then got our foot on the ball for about five, ten minutes and took the sting out of them completely. And then we lost that initiative again. And that's the, annoy the annoying thing about this half is I was sat in the pub, my mate was sat next to me, everyone else was sat there going, they are going to score. 
you could see it. I mean, I hate the phrase, it was coming, but it literally was coming. It was, they are going to score, and nothing got changed. And, yeah, I just I put it in the agenda just so I could mention transfers. But I think it, it links back to what I said about me being a bit zen about this, you know, chilled out about this season. We just not there, are we? And you know, I'm not angry. I'm not. I'm not slating anyone. The squad's just not quite there at the moment, and it does need surgery. And I think the second half showed it. Mm. And as as Jordan said, Pep doesn't trust this squad fully. He can't take that. So we're playing with the handbrake on quite a lot of the time. Lads, can I, can I just remind us? And I say lads because it's for two of you who've been very negative here, <laughs> whereas me and Laura are kind of keeping it kind of real. <laughs> we drew against Leipzig away. It's a oh, good no, result. Come that, on. Yeah. yeah. Did I mention how good Leipzig <laughs> <laughs> Yes, I, I think you're in love with Leipzig. Um, That's the point, Steve. We drew away in the away leg of a knockout Champions League tie. And if, if you flipped those halves... I bet we'd be quite upbeat now, wouldn't we? Mm, yeah, absolutely. Oh, we were rubbish, but we really turned it around second half. But of course, because we were good in the first half, then tailed off in the second, then it's like, oh no, it's the end of the world. No, I think everything I said's right. Yeah. I would have taken that result before the game. Absolutely. And the result is all result. that matters. In the first leg of a Champions League game, all that matters is that result. And it was a great result. Um, Laura, as Howard said there, you, you could see the goal coming. I absolutely see to that. I mean, it was coming a mile off. Um, when it did come, was there, was there a foul, do you think, by Radial? Um, and also, do you think maybe Anderson was caught in no man's land? Yeah. Um, I think for me, um, if if we'd have scored that goal and it had been disallowed against us, I wouldn't have been happy about it. Hard none of that. None yeah. of our players, no, no, no one made an effort to jump. I'm looking, there's Aki mm. in there, there's Diaz, there's another one. Oh, and not one of them, not one of them properly jumps for that ball. Um, and then you've got Edison. And as much as uh, I love Edison, I really do. And I'm one of them that will absolutely back him. Um, I can't stand the agendas at the minute that are, that are out there against him. Um yeah. And I think actually he was having a decent game. He'd made some good decisions up until that point, but he was he was just stood there. And then it, it comes in. Well, it go, it goes in obviously. Um, and Edison's like trying to say there was a push, there was a push, but nah, I can't. This, we weren't good enough. We weren't good enough um, defensively at that point. And I think yeah, um, Edison he was he was caught out. Um, he, he looked like he was ball watching. Yeah. Uh, can I just say, Steve, that? Criticism of Edison is not just his shot stopping. I think he can be positionally poor as well on one-on-ones. But there's a goalkeeping kind of analyst on Twitter last night that said he was excellent on three. They weren't one-on-ones, but they were long-range one-on-ones. Yeah. So I think he would have saved that Henrik shot because he got across very well. Uh, but also he, he made two good saves where he's positioning, basically held himself. Sometimes he rushes out far too much, but... That's the nature of the beast. He's a proactive keeper. His positioning before that goal was brilliant. And, you know, it's worth mentioning that he did very well but mm. before he made a semi-mistake. But uh, Gvardiel did not... By the time he touched Diaz, he was already way, way in the air. So I'd have been absolutely furious. It was in the foul, yeah. If that had been disallowed for us. No, at the first... When I first saw it, I thought it might be a foul. Let's wait till the replay. And as soon as I saw it in replay, n- not a foul for me at all. Yeah, no way. Um, another individual we want to talk about really today, and it's, it's feeling so boring talking about Haaland all the time because, you know, we should be talking about all the goals he's scoring, but it is, it's a legitimate conversation. Um, it's happening before our eyes that, you know, players aren't 
utilizing him to the you know taking advantage of this kind of freak of a centre forward that we have. Jordan, um, I didn't see this, but Howard's mentioned that uh, Thierry Henry said after the match that maybe Haaland himself could do a bit more and that it stays central too often. Would you go along with that? Should I mention the clip? I don't know if yeah, what yeah. said. I think it's on American. Is it on American too? It is. What, what yeah. with Carragher and Richards. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, he, he wasn't highly critical. You know, I think it was just excellent analysis. Uh, yeah. Uh, you'll find it somewhere on a long post-match thread on Blue Moon, but you, know, you may not want to search that site for it. So, And he just said, and to be honest, you know, it made me think about the fact, well, he is still very young. Yeah, and he is in the first season with Pep, and you remember what Aguero had to change his game when Pep got here, and he was a lot older. And Harry Kane's done the same. You know, at, at Haaland's age, he wasn't he wasn't the player now. You know, he wasn't one who dropped deep and was spraying it around. Players develop, don't they? But yeah, he he just picked out a few examples where Haaland just likes to say stay central, and that's that is a bit of a problem as well. Because he doesn't go wide very often. He doesn't. And other, you know, he showed Benzema how he did it against Liverpool. Strikers that will just go wide just to pick up the ball and help the attack. But he's just staying in the middle. And uh, it's a good clip if you can find it. I think it's fair analysis. Uh, so, yeah, I just thought I'd, I'd mention that before Jordan spoke. So it's yeah. not all on players not finding it. I mean, some players did try and make passes to him during this match, but. His frustration, yeah, is quite worrying. Isn't it? It's, it, there was a moment towards the end where he was absolutely fuming, wasn't he? And that mm. was worrying. Um, so, well, I mean, I'll kind of broaden the question, Jordan. So, obviously, you know, kind of factor that in that perhaps he is too central too often. But, of course, there is also the fact that there's so many missed opportunities, isn't it, when it comes to Erling Carland um, and, and not putting him through? Yeah. Um I am wary that I've come across a bit overly negative, so I do want to issue a bit of a disclaimer. <laughs> no, you haven't. You haven't. Are you um, even a City fan? <laughs> <laughs> um, That's why your tweets last night, I'm beginning to wonder. <laughs> I know, I got accused of being from BBC Salford, it's unbelievable. Um, <laughs> you are, are you? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I am, officially. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, just to, to give context, I thought we were brilliant first half, and I've got absolutely no issue with taking a one or draw back to the Etihad, I think it's a good result. What I'm concerned about and what I'm generally speaking about are symptoms, consistent symptoms of a team not reaching the level that they are capable of. And I think that's what we saw in the second half. And I think Haaland is a key part of it, but I totally refute that it is in any way his fault. I, I'm, Really, really eager to avoid criticising someone who has scored over 25 goals um, in his first season and we've not even hit March yet. Mm. I think he's doing absolutely nothing wrong. And I think we saw in the second half, the one time we actually gave him the ball in a decent position, he breezed past the centre-back, which we are clearly chasing this summer, like he wasn't there. Give him the ball. (laughs) <laughs> that is the issue. I'm sorry. I respect Thierry Henry. He's probably my favourite non-City player ever. And there are probably small aspects and intricacies of his game that can improve. As, as Howard said, he's 22 years old. But my God, like we're playing the game in front of him and he's just stood there. Mm. And I know partly that's to create chances for him, but he can create chances himself. He is making the runs. He is moving. 
He's not just stood there occupying the defenders for no reason. Constantly he's running in behind. And we know we've seen it against Arsenal. We've seen it against West Ham. We've seen it against Crystal Palace. I'm not going to name every Premier League team, but we've seen it against them too. Stick the ball in behind and give him a chance to run onto something. He is deadly. Mm. That first half, it was like we, he wasn't there. We weren't playing with him. It's, yeah. it's really frustrating. That's my biggest gripe at the moment. Because as Howard said, there's an acceptance that the squad isn't there. We can't do anything about that at the moment. There's an acceptance that we are playing with a handbrake on, that he doesn't trust the players. But what we do have is the most deadly striker in Europe. A man that would walk into any team. And we're not playing to his strengths. I don't, as good as he is at link-up, I don't want him dropping deeper to get yeah. more of the ball. Put him one-on-one with, whether it's Jost Vogel or Virgil van Dijk or Saliba, he is going to cause them problems. And if you ask, you know, there's this discourse at the moment, and sorry, I'm ranting because I'm, no, I'm vexed. Um, there's this discourse at the moment that City might not be as good a side with Haaland in it. If you ask any centre-back in the world, any defence in the world, who would they rather play against? A false nine, a Foden sort of character, or a Gundogan, or a De Bruyne, or this guy, 100 out of 100 are saying the false nine. But we are not putting him in a position at the moment where he gets to exploit defences. And I, I understand the need for control. You know, this, again, to, to give a disclaimer, this was not necessarily the game to go gung-ho. And I, I understand why Guardiola wants to control 100%. You know, it's, it's, it's a two-legged tie. But there, there is a serious issue with how we are utilising Haaland at the moment. And we would look a much better side if we just gave him the bloody ball. Yeah, and it doesn't have to be through balls as such. Just get him facing the opposition goal and give him the ball. You know, just kind of, it doesn't have to be these perfect kind of through balls. And, and, and there seems to be a misnomer about that. Just give him more of the ball, more of the action. Get him involved more. Um, well, early in the season, it was like, well, if he's... If he's scoring two goals and only having six touches, it doesn't matter if he's only having six touches. Mm. But if he's now having six touches and not scoring, and he's not scored many recently, then yeah. it is an issue. It's just fact in the way. Uh, as I say, maybe we just have to be very patient to work him into the side. And maybe Pep does want him to do more, like he did with Sergio Aguero. But that doesn't change the fact, as Jordan said, that, yeah, I mean, we're watching it easily. We're watching it from above. You know, bird's eye view on, yeah. you know, on a camera we can see the passes it's obviously not as easy when you're on the pitch <laughs> and it's all at 100 miles an hour but we can see these passes are on a lot and I think Pep's become even more cautious recently and yeah it is a lack of trust in the squad I think so as I said I'm not slating everyone off I'm quite relaxed about it <laughs> if it's a squad that needs work then so be it he'll just do what you know, Pep will do the best he can until then but if we're not super aggressive in summer, then I'll be really unhappy. So. Yeah, no, that's a fair comment. Yeah. Um, they Laura- spend half a billion in the summer. <laughs> <laughs> we should. We should just go and do that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, Laura, what's your view on, on the whole kind of discussion about Haaland? Um, it, it worked. It worked until the World Cup, or just before Barring Brentford before the World Cup, mm. it worked. He, I mean, he what did he get? He got three against. Um, he was scoring hat tricks of fun. Three against United, 
Um, we smashed Nottingham Forest with them in the team, 6-0. Um, we beat Copenhagen, 5-0. United, 6-3. So he, he was getting goals. And and this was with the exact same team as what we've got now, minus Cancelo. Mm. So there's, there's been a shift. Is it a shift in mentality or playing style? Because it was working. It's not like this group of players have never been able to get him on the ball or play him through. It's, it's not like that. Some there has clearly been a shift because we know it can work. And it's almost like we're just kind of waiting. Um, last night, I feel like it was 50-50, to be honest. I feel like some of the chances and runs that he was making, it was absolutely criminal um, that he wasn't getting played through. Mm. I could not believe it. I mean, even Jack, I love Jack Grealish, but there were times when Haaland was there. Um, it's like they don't bother looking for him. It's like they're stuck in like last season or something, forgetting we've actually got him on the pitch. You know, we might as well be playing Alvarez or false nine. You know, what? it's like it's pointless having him there because, and I feel bad for him and, I worry, I worry that if he doesn't get sorted soon, um, he's an incredible talent and we're so blessed to have him at the club. Um, he's not he's not going to wait around. He's yeah. not one of them players that have committed a, you know, we're not like Chelsea when we've got these players on like 15 year deals. Do you know what I mean? We've, we've got him now, but he, like you said, he could walk into any team um, in the world. And if we're not going to utilise him and the goals are going to dry up, I worry that he'll, he'll want out. Um, so I think we need to sort it in fast. Yeah, I completely agree with that. I think it does need to be resolved, and I think there is a problem. And what I saw last, I've seen him frustrated a good few times, but just how I saw his his body language last night, um, don't it sound like Pep? I can't remember body language, but he really, <laughs> he, yes, there was just something different about him last night. I thought he's he's genuinely reaching the end of his tether here. Um, I Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't blame him. No, no, yeah. no. I mean, right. he's doing all the runs. He's doing everything right. I worry as well, but you know, I worry about everything. It's, he's in his first, <laughs> in his first season. He's not going to be walking out in the summer, is he? So well, let's. End. If, it, if we're not feeding him in two years' time, then yeah, we've got a yeah, very big yeah, problem different then. story. Yeah, we've got one more negative before we get to a positive. So the, the negative <laughs> is the handball. Um, I want uh, you to discuss this. I'll start with you, Jordan. Handball or not for you? Well, I thought it was a clear handball until I saw a replay that Jake Humphries yeah. tweeted earlier, and uh, then I'm like, oh, maybe it wasn't a handball. Mm. I, I actually don't know. I, I'm Wait. not going to ramble about it. I, I've seen two angles where I'm, I'm still not sure. We've been stitched up big time with that first video. Yes. <laughs> it's not a penalty. No. Uh, and everyone who ranted about what a fix it was, I fully understand it because <laughs> I cannot believe that how it couldn't be a penalty. Mm. It looked like he put his hands up and punched it away. And then you see the other one, it misses both his hands and hits him on the sleeve. And I do feel... I'm glad I didn't tweet about it. That's all I <laughs> I'm glad I forgot to tweet about it because I've never seen such a blatant penalty ignored. I was like, yeah. I mean, this is it. You wait for haters. This is payback for booing that anthem. It's like... <laughs> And then I saw that other angle, and it's like, oh, <laughs> yeah, it's not a penalty. But okay, before that other angle came to light, Laura, what were your thoughts on it? Um, do you know what? <laughs> At the time, I didn't even care because I was that deflated <laughs> yeah. by that by that second half, and like every like all the decisions, you know, like um, against United with the Rashford offside thing, yeah. and all that, and all the little decisions that haven't gone our way this year. I was just like, do you know what? I don't care. And then as the night went on. I was trying to fall asleep and I, got, I, was just, I kept seeing it. It kept playing <laughs> in my mind. And I started to get real riled up about it. And then I tweeted. And then obviously this morning I see the I see the other angle and it's so crazy how one angle can show you one thing and then just another lens, it's a completely different story. I think so, that's yeah. 
I think that's a really good point, Laura, in that there's wider context to this decision and it's not necessarily about this decision because it seems like we're in agreement that if we're going off the, the replay in high quality, it's not a penalty. It's yeah, that, definitely not. It, it, it's that we've been on the receiving end of a lot of calls recently in big matches which haven't gone our way. And a lot of small decisions as well, you know, fouls on Grealish where there's no booking and then all of a sudden our, our first fouls are booking. It it feels like we've not had the rub of the green when it comes to decisions recently. And I think that's contributed to, to this um, just general frustration with officials. Absolutely. And the, and the thing is, I'm not going to sit and, and blame these poor decisions and stuff like that, because ultimately, like, say if, if, if last night should have been a penalty, we should, that game should have been, it should have been dead and buried um, mm. by us. But actually, these things, the, the defined stuff, like United, I don't know if I've mentioned it already, and it was a couple of months back, but that, that decision at United, like, we were 1-0 up. At that point in the game, we were, we, we were the better team until that happened. And that, that could have been three points. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And we'd have been point clear at the top of the league, but I mean, it's football. Um, something does need to be done. It's like the Arsenal-Brentford game the other week. Um, I mean, as much as we were probably all cheering that that decision and that goal for Brentford, it, 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 can't, it can't go on. Something needs to be done. But obviously, yeah, last night won a penalty. It's, There's just a, re- a remarkable lack of consistency I'm finding this season. Um, even last night with the Gvardiol goal, um, first of all, I wouldn't have been surprised if it was disallowed if City had scored it. That's just gem- my general attitude at the moment. No, I'm not crying out agenda. I'm really not someone who believes <laughs> yeah. that. But I, I just would not be surprised if we'd scored it and it had been disallowed. And, you know, you look on Twitter after and then you look at Bremer's goal for Juventus um, against Nantes the week before for a very similar incident and it was ruled out for a foul. Um, so there's it, it's just this feeling at the moment that we're being hard done by. I'm not sure how, how you feel about it, Steve, but I think that's contributing to to just this frustration at officials. Yeah, my my the thing what's grinding me down at the moment is how inept they are. I mean, inconsistency, of course, that that is you know the, the effect, but the actual cause of it is just ineptness. There's just not enough competence in referees and in the people who, in, who make decisions of VAR. Um, they're not up to scratch. And you don't know... You summed it up perfectly there when you said about the Juventus goal as well. You don't know which way it's going to go. It's a coin flip. You, you can see something exactly. with your own eyes based on years of watching football and you know in your heart of hearts whether it's a penalty, let's say. And, you know, of course camera angles come into it as evidence last night with a handball and the non-handball. But let's take, let's take a penalty decision for starters. And you've seen it, you know that's a penalty. But you just don't know which what decision they're going to take. And it really, it could be a clear-cut penalty, but it might not be given because they're just inept. And that leads to inconsistency and uncertainty. And VAR was brought in to make things more certain, not less. And so... Yeah, anyway, I'm having a little rant now. Let's, as I said, we're going to end on a positive. Let's uh, end on two positives. So, first positive is that um, Barcelona beating United. Oh, <laughs> lovely stuff. Lewandowski with a penalty. Uh, God, imagine the kind of foul that must have been to get a penalty at Old Trafford. Um, a second one. Um, man of a match from each of you for last night. Laura, who was your man of a match? Oh, um, <laughs> well, um, 
Uh, now you're asking. Um, I'll go Mares just just because he got us the goal, oh, didn't he? Nice, yeah, yeah. He got he got us the goal, and it's as simple as that. Um, I think we were all we were all relatively good. Um, first half, I couldn't give it to any of the midfield as much as they were they were very good, and like we've said, Bernardo was was running about and everywhere really. Um, they weren't they weren't getting that ball to Haaland. Um, but yeah, we'll we'll go Mares. He Champions League, he, he got the ball, he got the goal, didn't he? So Missed yeah, the Champions League, yeah. Um, Jordan, who's your man of the match? Uh, close between Bernardo and Jackie Grealish. Yeah, um, this guy's just all of a sudden become our best player, really. Mm. Um, he's gone from the guy who we thought would do nothing with the ball when he gets it to the guy you want the ball to go to and you're on the edge of your seat when mm. he gets it. Um, he played a huge role in that Mares goal. Whether Gundogan got a little nick on on it or not, I'm still sort of crediting the assist to Jack for that one. And um, yeah, he's just a crucial player for us to the point where now I don't I don't really want to see Foden at left wing now, which is crazy because he, he would be one of the first names on the team sheet. I either want to see him on the right or in the middle, but I don't want it in place of Jack. If he's not starting against Bournemouth, <laughs> I'll be disappointed. Yeah, I'm with you on that one. Uh, how would you have a match? Yeah, there's a few 7 out of 10s, weren't there? So Ake was... <clears throat> consistent as always I think just because he stood out in the first half for me on the eye test I'll go for Bernardo Silva just yeah well three different players so I love that um okay this is the end of part one and um, before we look ahead um to the Bournemouth game yesterday Howard caught up with Bournemouth fan Simon to talk all things cherries this is what he had to say I'm delighted to be joined by Simon from Talking Cherries uh, hi Simon how are you doing Hey Howard, yeah, I'm good. I'm very well, thank you. How are you? Yeah, not bad at all. Nice and sunny down there, is it? Not today. Cloudy, no. cloudy, cloudy. But no rain. There hasn't been for ages, so we can't moan. No. Wow. Yet again, I'm talking to someone with worse weather than in Manchester, where it's nice and sunny, so long may this trend continue. Though. You can have that in the winter, Howard. <laughs> we have the sun back in the summer. Yeah. You can have the beaches and the, the warm weather in the rest of the year, yeah. See, swings and roundabouts, my friend. Swings <laughs> it certainly is, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, we spoke uh, very early in the season, was it not? Was it like second game, third game, something like that? Yeah. yeah. And I obviously asked you about what it was like to be back in the Premier League and how you were definitely not a yo-yo club uh, because you'd been, a, before, yeah, before you'd gone down, you'd been... You know, a staple for quite a few years, but now you're back. How have you rated the season so far? Have you been enjoying it? A roller coaster, as every season is. I mm-hmm. think it started really well. Two 0 win against Aston Villa. Everything seemed hunky dory, but that was against the Stephen Gerrard Aston Villa, and we know what happened there later mm-hmm. in the season. So you have to look at all the results and take them with a pinch of salt when you look back on them. And then obviously we had. Uh, the nine nil, and you know we lost to Arsenal and lost to Liverpool, and uh, you know and also yourselves. So four games in, we had three points, but that wasn't actually that bad. And then um, Scott Parker and his mouth happened. Well, I'll interrupt because we spoke about him. Yeah, you know, I, I listened back to our conversation earlier today, and we talked about how high his stock was. You know, bringing to Premier League and. That. Then you go and lose 16-0 over three games. He complained about lack of transfer activity. Is that what you're referring to when you're talking about his mouth? And, of course, he was gone then. So what went wrong? Um, 
It'll be a combination of things. I mean, obviously, the the latter part of why he was given his notice was the way he spoke so publicly mm. about certain things. And I think if you were in many a corporation or company and you spoke like that publicly about your organisation, you might have been given the boot. So it wasn't really a surprise um, from that perspective. From performances perspective, I think it's fair to say that the fans always viewed what many Fulham fans would have said before we got him and what we obviously inherited, Parker Ball, as something that was a particular style of football that eventually you won't like for various reasons. It's very structural, tactical, kind of works, but it's never really that exciting. And I think at the end of last season, when we got promoted and moving into the start of this, we began to see certain things that we thought, oh, maybe we're moving away from Parker Ball a bit. Maybe it can be a bit more engaging and a bit more exciting. But actually it wasn't. It maintained its turgidness with fleeting moments of excitement. So we probably, on the whole, weren't that bothered when he went. The worry is always who do you get next and that phase that you go through thereafter. But it wasn't the greatest football. But also, at the end of the day, when it came to transfer activity, we had got promoted. There was rumours that we were for sale. And I think when one owner is selling a football club, he's not going to invest even more money in playing staff Mm -hmm. when he's going through such a transaction. So there were a few things that came together there that just weren't right. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So, I mean, even if he shouldn't have spoken out, was there any justification for what he was moaning about? I think when it comes to depth of squad, I think even though we're not a yo-yo club and never have been, hmm. when you come up from the championship and you win the championship, you play a particular style of football to get out of that league. And when you come back to the Premier League, it is a jump. The squad quality that you come up against week in, week out, is pretty substantial. And if you don't invest substantially, you may come unstuck. I think the problem for us was we actually couldn't invest substantially because at risk of not being able to sell the club, maybe, was part of all of that. So things off the field would have had an impact. So the depth of squad was lacking to be competitive at the top level. But I never envisaged a situation where the owner would release huge amounts of funds at that point for what Scott wanted. So I was a bit surprised because I'm pretty sure when Scott would have joined, he'd have been told, we've got X budget, you can have that to help us get out of the championship, Mm. which he took because he spent quite a lot of money then. But that's probably going to be it. You'll have to work with what you've got. So that always was a bit of a surprise to me, because he must have known. And so Gary O'Neill was caretaker manager, I think at the end of August 2022, and became permanent appointment. Uh, was that a surprise to Bournemouth fans? Did fans support that appointment? Because he's obviously someone with well, pretty much zero managerial pedigree. Yeah, I think we have to break this into chunks. So obviously when he was given the position to start with, the temporary manager, it kind of galvanised everything. You know, we'd Mm. come off that loss, we got a good solid 0-0 against Wolves straight after it. 
and then went on this run of being unbeaten in seven games, which is pretty impressive, you know, when you're in the Premier League to go seven games unbeaten with a couple of wins in there. And it was all great, and everyone was together. There was a huge togetherness, the fans and the players and the coach, and everyone was just kind of like, well, it's us against them. Let's see what's going to happen. And it was going okay, but of course, you tend to notice tactical things when you're a fan. And when those tactical things become consistent, they become bigger issues. So even though we were playing well and it was attacking, there were moments in games, those key moments after like 60 minutes or 70 minutes, you know, whether you were winning or whether you were losing in those games building up to the World Cup, where there were certain tactical decisions that we were like, what are you doing? You know, mm. you get like Leeds, you're three one up, we lose four three, but tactically we should have kept going at Leeds because we proved we could score against them the way they were playing, and then we decided to sit back, which was a bit of a silly thing to do, and the rest is history. Then the World Cup came, and we were all kind of like, well, do we want to keep him? Do we not? We had the wins against Everton before it. Um, we had the new owner come in during that whole period of time, so I think the fans were looking for something more experienced than what we have with with Gary and there were rumblings of Bielsa and various other things that were in the mix but we ended up staying with Gary and time will tell whether it's the right decision I think he's learning from some of the decisions he made tactically in certain games before the World Cup but there were other things that still tend to be there I think many fans were shocked he was given the full-time role but like yeah. many teams down the bottom are finding is there's not a lot of great managerial options to come and rescue you once you take Deitch um, out of the equation perhaps so will it end up being the best I think many fans would have said and I certainly did that give Gary a go he's a great coach very inexperienced so I was hoping that we may bring in some experienced staff around him you know maybe a couple of senior coaches with yeah. Premier League experience that in those key moments in matches they can help him put an arm around his shoulder why don't you try this do something else but then injuries happened so we lost Solanke and Tavernier and various other ones all at the same time so you put all this together and the upheaval of a new owner coming in wanting to put their stamp on the club blah 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 it's a lot so our season's been pretty busy <laughs> Uh, yeah, but recently, uh, you won at Wolves, took a point against Newcastle. Has that, is that a reflection of an improvement in performance levels, or is it just that results have gone a bit more your way? Are you seeing those performances that could keep you up? Two key things are the transfer business we did in January, even though many fans were wondering who are we going to get, is the chief exec and everyone going to get us the players that we really need? The transfer dealings that were done, I think we can all agree as Bournemouth fans, were pretty good. You know, we spent 50-something million on some very good, high-quality young players. And they've come in, obviously, we've got the odd injury here and there still, but the combination of those players, Traore, Utara especially, and then Tavs coming back in the last week or two, and also Dom Solanke being back. Mm. We have a lot of counter-attacking weapons now, which is something we were doing very well prior to the World Cup. Our defence wasn't that good, was quite leaky. So I think in combination, the performances have improved by both the transfers that have come in and those key counter-attacking ball position and possessions yeah. and defence. Your home form's mixed, but you've only 12 goals conceded in 11, I think. Is tight defence key to 
prospering or survival. Yeah, it's kind of probably. I think that's right. It's not something traditionally that you would associate with Bournemouth as being able to be quite tight defensively. Um, because traditionally when we've played in the Premier League, certainly in the Eddie Howe years, we were quite gung-ho. Yeah. It was like, we'll be entertaining if you score two, we'll try and score three. And often it was an incredibly enjoyable watch. Whereas there's certain players that have now solidified their position in the defence. There was a lot of changes in defence, certainly in the centre-back pairings. Whereas we seem to have fallen on a very good centre-back pairing now with Senesi and obviously Stevens, who's on loan from Southampton. I'm pretty sure they'd like him back if they could. But he's been amazing. You know, last couple of games, he's been man of the match, solid, blocking everything, getting in the way, winning most of his heading duels. So, yeah, solid. And you said your new owner, uh, Bill Foley. He's certainly, obviously, as you mentioned, back to you in the <coughs> transfer market in January. But uh, what's your impressions of him? Uh, and apparently Michael B. Jordan is uh, part owner of your club as well. Is it? Yeah, Michael B. Jordan is uh, part of the ownership structure of the club, that's for sure. I mean, I do have to pinch myself a lot <laughs> <laughs> now and again as to where we currently are. I yeah. suppose in a way, to a degree, you guys must have pinched yourselves when you suddenly had this influx of money. But Just you've always, bit, yeah. You've always been bigger than Bournemouth has, you know, but on balance to suddenly be little old Bournemouth that have this great story yeah. and now have, you know, multi-millionaire, billionaires owners. Hey, well, both, both, we're not Wrexham though, are we, any of our clubs, so, but we, we do our best. Hey, look, we? our story's much better than Wrexham's. <laughs> we just didn't get on Disney Plus quick enough. I didn't get yeah. Ryan Reynolds, but, you know, there's plenty of time for that, plenty of time for that. But no, it's great. And this has always been the thing to compete at the Premier League. I think even though we had Max Indemin, who was brilliant as an owner and helped us get to where we are, there was always a limit to his budget and his ability to take the club forward on all the levels that we need to be in the Premier League for the long term as opposed to just be here for a short period of time and then disappear so the investment that's now immediately gone into training facilities to get us to the highest category you can possibly be discussions about the stadium and a new one and all these things that we could have only have dreamed of with our previous owner because there was always a limit to what he could spend and most of that would be directed to the pitch to suddenly now having the ability to invest in everything. So it's a very exciting time. Yeah, excellent. Uh, right, the game on Saturday. Do you, uh, after City somehow contrived not to win last week, do you have confidence you can repeat the feats of Forest from last weekend? I think it's interesting when you watch City at the moment, and I think watching their match last night in the Champions League was basically Man City from an outsider perspective how they've looked most of the season. Mm. They have moments where they're fantastic and they're on top of everything and pinging the ball about and doing things incredibly well whilst not necessarily scoring a lot of goals. Whereas if the opposition change it up in a particular way, which seems to be quite consistent, the kind of way City can be attacked, there is a little bit of a soft underbelly yeah. in that counter-attacking yeah, yeah. Counter area, almost as if you're missing... A certain type of midfielder to you know manage a situation better than maybe what you're doing in certain parts of the game so I think for us that's a positive I don't think you'll see us play the way Forrest does but I do think we will hopefully 
learn from how we've played against teams in other Gary O'Neill matches where we do have faith in our own ability which is improving all the time and that's with these talented counter-attacking kids who are very fast on the break obviously breaking at pace is never the easiest thing to do because you've got a finite amount of time to get those passes in the right places and we were rubbish at it at Wolves to be fair Uh, it was incredibly poor so you know even though we won some of the counter-attacking joining of the dots is still work in progress but the defense is solid Stevens and Essie are very good I think we can combat that Lerma sits in front of them still very well whether he'll be here next season I don't know so I think we'll block to a degree but it will be trying to counter quickly and obviously with Traore he's probably a very interesting player to watch because his ball control and ability to turn in tight circles is fantastic so the kind of half-term player to watch would be him so you don't think you'll set up quite like Nottingham Forest did last weekend? Do you think you'll come out to play, so to speak? Because you I say traditionally, as you said earlier, Bournemouth always try and play football, don't they? Yes. I think we'll always try, but I think you've got to be honest, is that you know Man City are another <laughs> level and they still do have that ability to take things to another level. I think the away match at the City ground showed that we have the ability to manage Haaland because he hardly had a sniff, although he got an assist that game. Mm. He hardly had a sniff the rest of the game. But you've got so many other weapons, you can't just focus on one. I think there will be some defensive elements there and I think we will be set up to be solid. But I think getting that ball out quickly to certain players, if you're not watching those talented kind of unknown kids because these Utaras and Traore that we now have they're not known they're very exciting and very young and they're not afraid to try things and I think that's what we need to have a chance against a team like City that we haven't had certainly didn't have the first game of the season well it must be exciting as a fan to have young exciting talent like that you know breaking into your team and, and flourishing Oh, absolutely. You know, I think any fan from any level, when they get young, talented players that, you know, come who have proven themselves in other leagues in Europe, whether that's uh, Liga or Serie A, you know you're getting players that can do something. I suppose many of us fans still question whether tactically O'Neill has the ability to get the best out of these players, medium to long term because he hasn't got that experience of working at this level. But again, I always said I'd give him a go. And, you know, last few games, the combination of players coming back from injury and these new kids coming in has made it more exciting again. And I think against Newcastle, even though your match of the day staff and everybody will always talk about Newcastle, I think that game showed that we didn't allow Newcastle to play to the best of their ability because we were on them and we were hustling and we were doing things ourselves really well so there's a lot of things to get excited about and I think we do have the ability to continue progressing it's tactical moments in games that I think is still the biggest question we have Okay. and finally uh, one player to mention Dominic Solanke it's four years now since over just over four years in fact uh, four years and a month since he signed him for a fee reported to be about £19 million is he finally the player you'd hoped you were getting when you paid big money for him? I think when we paid that amount of money for Dom, he was unproven, proven at a certain level, but we still had 
Callum Wilson and Josh King mm. as our key striker assets, and he was third in command almost. So it almost took a relegation for him to find his opportunity, which he took with both hands. And he had a fantastic, well, both seasons, you know, certainly also the one we came up, even though Mitrovic scored a hatful, so did Dom. And he scored all sorts of goals. But it's not just his goal scoring, it's his work rate. And I think that's where we really missed him in many games at the turn of the World Cup coming back from it because he was injured. He offers you such work rate. He's very much a kind of, not of the same level, but he's in the same ilk as what a kind of Harry Kane tends to do now I'm not directly comparing Harry Kane to Dom Solanke I'm just basically comparing their movement on the pitch and what they give because he'll drop deep sometimes drops too deep mainly if there's not enough going on around him because he wants to get the ball but he runs into the channels and he runs his socks off so he's always putting in a hundred percent effort and I think this will be the first game because it's only his third game or so back from injury where he'll probably be back to full fitness okay I'm going to finish with the score prediction, please. I'm going to say 1-3. I think we'll score, but I think you'll score three. Great minds think alike, because I was going to go for that as well. No clean sheet for City in five games now. So Bournemouth scoring would absolutely not be a surprise. And to be honest, you talked about a rollercoaster season. I think you can say exactly the same for City. I don't know what team... Uh, arrives in Bournemouth I don't know what team walks out on the pitch and it's weird because the performance against Forest nine tenths of that performance was brilliant until we got in front of goal where it's some of the worst <laughs> worst finishing and yeah I've never seen a game like it basically so yeah you don't know at the moment and the, and the goals have dried up a bit away from home for City so could be a very competitive match as yeah indeed I think are you a fan of 5.30pm kickoffs? Well, if I was to break down different kickoff times and how Bournemouth have performed over the years, 5.30 would probably be the best one after three. <laughs> Never been very good at lunchtime kickoffs. Oh, those coming up against no Liverpool. one likes them. No you one know, likes them. A couple of weeks' time, we've got Liverpool at home in the BT Saturday slot. Never yeah, like that one. Hate um, it. But I think I think one of the things is 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 under the lights. Now obviously yeah. it's still February, so the lights will be on in this five thirty kickoff. <laughs> and I think even though we had the Eddie Howe factor against Newcastle last home game, which I think had some emotional impact on the quality of the performance because it was quite a high emotion environment for all sorts of reasons I think whenever the lights are on and the crowd get behind the team and I think because we won last week and we were so competitive against Newcastle the crowd are going to be up for it and I think that's a unique thing about our small ground is when the crowd are up for it it might be small but it's a pretty cool little atmosphere yeah brilliant right Uh, Simon thank you very much for taking the time out to speak to us no problem good luck as I always say, after this weekend, all the best for the rest of the season. And I'll say, including this weekend, all the best for the rest of the season. <laughs> You're a better man than me. That's <laughs> Especially when you play Liverpool, all the best. <laughs> all right, we will. Yeah, thank you very much again. I really appreciate it. Cheers. Yeah, and night we will go back to the panel now to discuss and preview Saturday evening's match. Thanks again, Simon, for taking the time out to talk to us. Um, so on to the preview of this Saturday evening's game. Um, Laura, has the Forest result dampened your confidence for this one? Um, let's say we're 1-0 up 
at Bournemouth this Saturday. You're getting into the second half. Oh. Are, you, are you getting edgy? Uh, yeah, I will be. Yeah. Um, no, yes and no. Um, no, because ultimately that Forest game, we did play really, really well. Um, it was probably one of our best performances um, for, you know, since the World Cup. I, I wrote a little report on it and in it I put, how would you play that well um, and not get three points? Um, but at the same time, I'm obviously very cautious because, you know, <laughs> second halves are our, our, our thing at the minute. Um, if we're 2-0 up, 3-0 up at half-time, it's, it's obviously a completely different kettle of fish. Um, but yeah, we'll just have to see. Um, I'm hoping to see Phil Foden back in. I'll be a little bit more confident if he's maybe playing on the right or something like that. Well, you've set me up perfect for the team predictions. Um, Jordan, who are you expecting Foden to start? Who are you expecting to see come in? I don't know. Who, who does Pep trust? That's the question. Who does he trust enough to play? Because mm. at the moment, it feels like that starting 11, if let's say there's no De Bruyne or Laporte, I can only really see either Rico coming in for Kyle or Foden coming in for, for Mares or, or Grealish, I guess. I, I don't think I'll, we'll see Calvin Phillips. I don't think we'll see Sergio Gomez. Um, Alvarez, maybe. He's tried it a few times, hasn't he, playing in with Haaland, but I don't think he drops Haaland. Mm. You know, for, for, for me, we are so close to hitting our best, in a way. Maybe not through a sustained period of the game, but I think we've seen over the past two matches... Two lots of 45 minutes where we have looked absolutely brilliant. And the only thing really missing is an extra goal in each of those halves to give us the cushion so that when we do have a, a dodgy spell, um, we, we've got a cushion, basically. So carry on playing these players as long as they are fit enough yeah, and we're not risking injury by playing them. This is a team that is getting there. You know, we, we've been unlucky. As much as we talked about the defensive frailties, those are two games that we really should have won. So I'm backing us to beat Bournemouth. Go there, get the job done, get a bit of confidence, and on we go. Yeah, I don't, I don't think we'll see too many changes. I don't think we're in a position where we can really afford to rotate the squad. Howard, how are you feeling about Bournemouth? They've lost one in the last four. They seem to have found a little bit of form now. They had an atrocious kind of returned from um, the World Cup, didn't they? Um, the new manager bounce had, had certainly ended. Um, they were hemorrhaging goals, but, you know, recent weeks have looked all right. Are you are you wary mm. of Bournemouth? Yeah, I think Cyrus said they did have quite a few players out and quite a few have come back. Uh, mm. Yeah, last time we played them, uh, I triple captained Harland in my <laughs> fancy football. As did I made that of, mistake. As did the rest of the country, and of course he didn't score. So maybe he's out for. Maybe we dropped because of that, because the only team he didn't score. Okay, well, he uh, scored six more goals in Bournemouth on, on yeah. his own. So yeah, and I think Bournemouth, we're one of the only teams Bournemouth have never taken a point off, according to Simon. So right. That'll make you nervous, won't it? Now, so we've had some tough. I mean, the the Sterling late winner off his arse, knee, whatever, a one nil when they didn't have a single shot when we had to went toe to toe with uh, Liverpool for ages. Yeah, they don't concede. As we said, we're siren conceded twelve, I think, in eleven games at home. Mm. So they're tight and they can counter attack. They've got young players, raw, but they can counter attack. It's an acid test in a way. It is the test of where where is this City team at? Because even mm. when they're misfiring, 
we're favourites to get through to last eight of the Champions League. Obviously, we've got FA Cup next week and we're second in the league. So, of course, we're so good that even when we're, we've got loads of issues we've picked up on, we'll still win most of the games. And I think if we just apply ourselves like we do like Nottingham Forest, you could play another... 10 years and not see us miss the chances we do against Forest. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, they're going to do it now, aren't they? <laughs> they're going to do it all over again. So it's weird in a way. That first half, the Arsenal game, the general play against Forest, that first half how we shut down Leipzig, there's plenty of good stuff there. They will be tricky opposition, I think. But I think they're a team. I know they've got like, it was Scott Parker last time. You know, we played them and now Gary O'Neill's in. I don't I haven't seen much of them on the telly this season. So I don't know if he's changed the way they play, but Bournemouth are always one of those teams that want to play football. Yeah. And that could that could help us in a way. But I th- I don't want to say it'll be attritional, but it'll be tricky. And it wouldn't surprise me if we're not winning at half time. But ultimately, I think we should be winning this one by two or three goals, yeah. Well, I mean, you touched on what I was thinking myself about Bournemouth, really, that it's going to be a real deep, low block. Um, so, Laura, I mean, obviously, it's ingrained in the City players, this, because we have to do it week in, week out against kind of inferior teams. But patience is going to be key, isn't it? Absolutely. Um, I can see it now. Um, I can see us all sat there, <laughs> 60th minute, like, willing us to, willing us to get a goal and go one nil up. Um, I think they is it. They're, I think they're a point off the relegation zone, aren't they? So yeah. I think they'll absolutely take a draw. Um, who wouldn't take a draw um, against City, to be honest? So yeah, I think we're looking at a low block. Um, I think we're going to have to be patient. I think it's going to be quite infuriating at times. I think players are going to get impatient, but I, I do back us to get the win. Um, I really do. I just think it's going to take a lot of patience um, and a similar lineup as well. I think to what we've been seeing. Um, but yeah. Definitely a low block, I reckon. I agree with you on a similar lineup. I, th- I don't think there'll be too many changes. I think, obviously, against Bristol City, there will. I don't think there'll be too many changes, one or two maybe. And um, just a couple of quick stats to chuck in. Um, City have won 199 Premier League away games. So this will be their 200th, should we win? Their first 100 took 337 games. Um, the last 99 or 100, 156 games but of course we had Pep Guardiola as manager for those so it kind of, <laughs> kind of makes a difference um, also kind of this is a, an interesting one Ellison has kept 99 clean sheets in the Premier League and if he gets a clean sheet on Saturday he will be he'll reach that landmark the third quickest in Premier League history behind Petr Cech and uh, Pepe Reina so yeah um, I wow. don't think he gets the credit he deserves uh, Ellison and, and this is from someone who you know, was bad mouthing him on the pod last week, but overall, as I said last week, I'm a fan. You know, I'll always defend him. Um, yeah. So, how do you think this is going to play out then, Jordan? How do you um, are you confident? I think we've got to be. I think we've got to. You know, we, we're with fans of a team who still believe that they can win this title. That believe that we can win the Champions League. We've got to go into a game away at Bournemouth, regardless of how many goals they've conceded in their last 11, and think, well, we're better than the last 11 that they've played. You know, we've got to go in thinking this should be, you know, never allowing for complacency, but for us, this should be a, a formality. This should be how many. Now, that's not the case at the moment, unfortunately, just given off recent form, but we have got the players to put them to the sword, and I know we're so close to clicking. We are so close, and I hope that Bournemouth are on the uh, on the receiving end of it because 
the longer it goes on, you know, if we drop points to Bournemouth, having, you know, dropped points to Nottingham Forest the week before, that's not the form of a title yeah, yeah. inside. Yeah. Like, like, we have to start winning these games. Our away form is woeful. We have to start winning. And for me, you don't really get a better away game than Bournemouth to do that. I, I think so. I, I think, you know, you, you can look at certain aspects of Bournemouth and say, oh, they could cause us problems there. And, you know, as Simon mentioned earlier, but no, I, I think this is a team you can span, coward. Yeah, Stata said earlier in the week, uh, and Aysan's retort was very uh, true. Mm. In We haven't won more than three games on the bounce this season. Yeah, yeah. In each of Pep's four title-winning seasons, we've won at least 12 on the bounce <laughs> each of those seasons. Christ. Oh, God. <laughs> but Aysan retorted, we don't need to win 12 on the bounce. So... Yeah, we have to win some games. We have to get ahead of Arsenal. But ultimately, it depends on what other teams are doing. And I, I very, very much doubt, I mean, Arsenal already can't get to 100 points and no one can. I very much doubt we're going to need 95 points plus to win the league. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. They're away at Leicester at three o'clock. So I think the very first priority is we cannot be further behind them at the end of Saturday. No way. No way. So whatever, yeah, whatever they do... It, who knows what they do? We can't be further behind because they've got Everton at home. I think they'll win it. So I see it as a five-point gap. Well, that's easily... I mean, we've still got quite a long way to go. That's easily because we have to play them as well. You can chase that down, no problem. But the worst thing that could happen is to be further behind at the end of Saturday. But if we are, if we don't beat Bournemouth, then it kind of, unless we've had some staggeringly bad luck or VAR comes and does its thing again, if we can't beat them and deserve, yeah, would deserve to win, then it kind of tells us where we're at anyway. Mm. And I think we're looking forward to, yeah. I, I, I think it would tell me that this is not going to be our season, which is very defeatist. But I think we will win. So I think we will. There has been plenty of good play on this team in recent weeks. They've got to put it across ninety minutes. That's the thing. They've got to do it from beginning to end and be more clinical. Thankfully, when the most important game, Arsenal, they were clinical. So I, I think we should, we'll create chances and I, despite their tight defence. I'm pretty damn confident we'll uh, we'll get three points. Just, I don't see Leicester doing us a favour, to be honest, either. Well, on that note, your score prediction? 3-1, uh, I went for to City. So. Uh, we haven't kept a clean sheet in five. So yeah. Well, we've hardly kept clean sheets all season. Yeah. Uh, Laura, your score prediction? I've gone a little bit more positive and optimistic. Uh, I've gone 3-0. Nice. Um, I think Eddie's, Eddie, Eddie will get that clean sheet. So, yeah, 3-0. Uh, Jordan, your score prediction? 2-0 City. I think we'll uh, we'll get that first in the first half and then this one will actually put to bed. I'll go for 2-1 Bournemouth. Just kidding. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, I was ready to buy. I, I, I tell you what, that, though. That That's why I expected Jordan to go for. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. Don't paint me out as that guy. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's not coming on again is it <laughs> I did um, a betting preview today and you, you pick one tip for each game and for the, for the City one I did go for both teams to score so I will go for 3-1 Bournemouth uh, sorry 3-1 City Christ. oh my god it was a, yeah the joke was still there in the front of my head <laughs> um, Laura thank you so much for joining us today this was a superb debut and thank you very much no worries thank you very very much for having me on Welcome back anytime. And Howard, you're welcome back too. Oh, 
Oh, that's very kind. Thanks for having me on. Uh, Jordan, thanks for joining us. And yeah, it's been a while. Let's not make it so long Last time, next time. I thought you were going to say, Jordan, you're not. But um, <laughs> can I just clarify, Steve, before I go, you didn't actually say, you do mean it's going to be 3-1 City. Rather yes, 3-1 City. Just, yeah, just, yeah. just, just both teams to score, but 3-1 City, yeah. yeah. Okay, pleasure to be on. Thanks for having me. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's a wrap for today, folks. We're off to take off our tops and punch a horse in preparation for our support of Newcastle this Sunday. In the meantime, take care of yourselves, everyone. Be well and forever up the squeaky clean blues.